Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Earth Angel. Angel starts in 1962. Angela, played by Kathy Podwell, is the most popular girl in high school. After telling her jock boyfriend that she's falling for her nerdy tutor, they get into an argument while driving that crashes the car and kills Angela right before prom. Flash forward 28 years later, and Angela finds herself back in the real world as a ghost who is only visible to her best friend's daughter. To get to heaven, she needs to accomplish her mission. If only she could figure out what that mission is. Screenplay by Nina Shengold, directed by Joe Napolitano, and premiered on ABC on March 4th, 1991. Have you seen Earth Angel before? No, I haven't. But I got this... Well, when you said the title last week, I knew nothing about this movie, but I thought it was going to be that Bruce Willis Kim Basinger movie. But that's blind date. <laughs> <laughs> Not doesn't even share a word. I know. <laughs> I just like for some reason that popped in my head, and I don't even know why. Is that why you agreed to watch this for the? the yeah. Yes. <laughs> Without doing any research on it at all. Yeah. Uh, so considering it's not, I mean, there are some big names in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not not Bruce Willis and. Um, Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger. Uh, <laughs> at least not at the time big. Uh, so what did you think, considering it was completely different from what you expected? I mean, it was fine. It's very corny. I thought it was not as cheesy as it could have been. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, thing the general that really, premise, yes. Yeah, the, the thing that really like threw me off were the older actors playing teenagers yes and it's really what's weird is that only three of them are necessary to be older because those are the only three that show up in the you know later day but um it's like they couldn't find younger actors to play them as young like 18 year olds yeah, I mean, okay, this is a TV movie, so I know. I mean, they don't have a huge budget. I know, it was just it. very, it made me crack up to see them, like, like, like 40-year-olds playing 18, it was just very 90210, I guess. Yeah, except, yeah, a little bit more exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if that would be better or not, because, I mean, I guess it would be just in terms of optics, but in terms of being able to recognize who was who in any given moment, yeah, it would be a little bit tougher. So there's a balance there. But when you have, um, you know, a couple of like the bullies that are hanging out with the, the jock, played by Eric Estrada here, 
why do they need to also be 40? I'm assuming they they look like they were also 40 something years yeah. old when they were shooting that. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I didn't check the The ages. only person that's not 40 is the lead actress. Yeah, Angela. She was in her 20s, early 20s, I think. Although she does Angela. kind of look older than she is in this. But Kinda. maybe that's just because of that whole mental thing that we've talked about before where, you know... Yeah, we think that people in their 20s were... Yeah, just people aged differently back yeah, then. Or, you know, it's tougher <laughs> to interpret when you are younger than the person that you're seeing on the screen. You automatically yeah. associate them as being older than they really are. So yeah, Angela's the only one that is actually relatively closer to high school age, at least in the opening 1962 segment. Um, but a couple of those characters don't come back, and so I don't know if it's just to make it less awkward for, you know, Cindy Williams and whoever else to be hanging out with, like, actual teenagers on their arm. Yeah, I'm not I, sure. I don't know. I mean, the... Okay, <clears throat> so the... I know the actor that played her... Cindy Williams' boyfriend, Val. Well, t- husband, too. Yeah. But they don't show be, him. Yeah. But they don't show him when he's older. She just mentions, you know, Val. Right. Like, I think he was young... He was younger... Was he younger? I believe so. Because I remember him in Back to the Beach. He didn't In the 80s. To me. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he... He was probably young... He was younger in, than them. Like, he was not 40. I, sure. I know that. Okay. But, yeah, not, I mean, not was, 18 years Yeah, old. he wasn't like, he's 18. he's not close to high school age. But he was definitely not 40. Maybe like 30s or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was Tommy Hankley played Val. We'll see him a couple more times. He was probably 30. But Could still. Be. Yeah. We can, we can, if we remember, we can do research when we see him in L.A. Story or The Human Shield. Uh, um, he's also in Watchers 2, which has a connection to the video store scene where they have like a big Watchers 2 poster oh, in, okay. in the thing, which sounds like a really cool movie, honestly. I was like, I, I don't really know much about the Watchers franchise, but like the tagline for Watchers 2 is a genetically re-engineered dog develops a psychic link with a monster created in a lab experiment which goes awry. Like, I hmm. want to see that movie. Too bad it's not 1991. <laughs> mm. um, and so yeah, and then you have a couple other random people and they, they just do the typical bully stuff that you see in pretty much every single high school movie especially ones that are set in that yeah, era the you know, like the back to the future yeah. whatever yeah just who wants to know i'm like just like popping the around thing with, the other thing that really kind of got to me was the chewing of the gum like incessant popping noise oh yeah you are much more in tune to that i didn't notice it at all oh like <laughs> so. that that's probably just me because i don't like chewing type sounds yeah. just hearing that was bothersome <laughs> so everyone's chewing gum in the 60s yeah just but the over exaggerated like the the cow type chewing yeah. of a gum it's not like how i don't know chewing gum with your mouth open I think that's supposed to indicate, like, ditziness to a degree. You know, I think it's supposed to be sort of a stereotype of, you know... Being like that... Airheaded. Like, blonde, airheaded... Yeah. Kind of valley girl thing. Possibly, yeah, because Kathy Podwell really leans into... I mean, she... The ditziness, and it doesn't really work very well for her. 
I don't know. It, it was like too over the top. It was too exaggerated at times. But I think all of them were too exaggerated. In the 60s era, yeah. Yeah, in, it, when they were playing teenagers, they were all... Like, yes, definitely. Over the top. I think the only one that we acting. could say maybe was not was Cindy Williams as Judith because, well, in the high school part, she didn't really have any role aside from being like a best friend and, you know, yeah, she wasn't really a here and there. bully. She was just. She was just there. She was just part of like the crew. Like Angela's best friend. But yeah, she didn't. Then... She wasn't really mean. Well, I mean, okay, so everyone's picking on Wayne, who's Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Is he like the only? He's the only nerd in that entire school, because everyone's picking on him. I guess so. I don't know. It, but yeah, Wayne is is also very extremely over exaggerated in the nineteen sixty two segments where he's just you know really it's, yeah it's over like the top very, body language and it's you know, very like, Back to the Future like George McFly. Yeah, Crispin Glover type of yes behavior, but not eccentricness. Yeah, just like kind of tripping over things and I don't know, wearing glasses obviously and like, uh, like just, yeah, very very exaggerated body posture. Yeah, always you know looking down at everything and uh, like if you if you it's so it's like the typical I don't know quote ugly person. It's like they're wearing glasses and their hair's a certain way but if they just took their glasses off and like brushed their hair back they -hmm. would be quote hot or so that's kind of like even though that that doesn't even happen at all because it seems angela accepts him as who he is right which i like yeah but obviously it doesn't go anywhere because of the the way the story goes yeah between those two um but she she's not like a superficial girl like how you she see... is until she isn't i suppose right? i i think because when it comes to totally being popular she wants to be yes. popular but yes and even she's when being she... tutored by him but she's not mean she's mean to him or when she's around her boyfriend well not exactly mean she's just like i don't know who he is that's all that's all she, she yeah really... she's she's sort of like mean and dismissive even when the tutoring starts but then um after he shows a little bit of like goofiness and then also when she comes in and like hears him playing the saxophone for the first time she's like oh, that's, that's when cool. she's like oh this guy actually has something to him possibly yeah. so i mean yeah she's she's vapid until she isn't uh and then even in the 1990 portion of it in the future when she's helping you know, Judith's daughter, Cindy, which is going to be confusing because Cindy Williams plays Judith, yeah, but the yeah, daughter's yeah. name in the movie is Cindy, yeah. uh, played by Rainbow Harvest. She does the exact same stuff. It's like, oh yeah, ignore this guy who may be sweet and nice and go for the jock guy. I'm going to help you do but that as much as possible. I think because Cindy had a crush on him and Angela was like, Oh, my, she thinks her mission is just to help Cindy get a boyfriend. And she's just, she knows that Cindy likes this guy. So she's like, okay, I'll help you 
get this guy. Yeah, I think, I think that the problem you is... have a crush on because she, you know, she's supposed to be kind of, you know, still this airheady. Right, that's my point. Like she's person. she's still very much airheady and, and obtuse because she's not using her own life lessons to understand what you know Cindy should really be going after, and that this person is a terrible choice. And you know, um, and I know that's part of the movie is that. Angela's supposed to have this arc as well where she grows as a person even though she's already dead mm. you know because that growth will allow her to have her own personal heaven which is having an evening with James Dean <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know I thought I mean it's funny and cute but it's also kind of corny to me she's like you don't understand I'm gonna go to heaven and I'm going to be with James Dean. And, you know, Cindy's like, I don't even know who that is. Right. Like, like I don't care. <laughs> yeah. That's not my problem. Like, I'm, like, I'm I alive care. and I have problems yeah. here. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's like a time component to it as well. Because if she doesn't do this in time, uh, then she will go to her own personal hell, which is being in detention forever with her old teacher, Mr. Tatum, played by Roddy McDowell. Uh <laughs> and so like everything has to be done by prom basically like the anniversary of her death mm-hmm. which is weird that they chose the 28th anniversary of her death yeah i didn't i was like why i don't know why didn't she appear 10 years later or whatever 15 years like why did it have it was just to help her best friend's child uh, I mean, that was what Angela thought, right? But it's it's really more about um, Wayne and Judith. Finding love. And, and so, really, it's like redeeming Wayne over anything. So he, and Judith is just the, that was also the, the methodology year, to make that happen. Yeah. I, well, well, that's also the year that Judith moves back to wherever, what was it, like L.A.? I don't even know I guess exactly. So. Yeah, they really don't. <laughs> they don't I, say the exactly where they're the, from. They're at Ryder High, which I saw on the bus at the very beginning. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. I don't know. But um, she moves, like, she, she after high school, I guess, she moved, She marries Val, and they move to Wisconsin, and then, you know, they, have a, they get a divorce, and she moves back to... I'm assuming L.A. area, I don't know, California maybe, to where she originally was from with her daughter, Cindy. And moving in with her dad, like Cindy's grandfather. Yeah. That's what it seems like. And then this is Cindy's last year. So she, she pretty much spends her last semester as a senior. Last few weeks as a senior. I was like... I mean, in the beginning, Cindy was like, why couldn't you just wait until I graduated right. for us to move back? And they don't really explain it. So, right. And probably because maybe TV movie. I don't know. They want, yeah, they yeah. Want to get but I was like, okay. Particulars she, of a divorce. She, but yeah. It just really sucks for Cindy to go to a new school as a senior at the very end of school. Mm-hmm. And being the new girl... And I don't know all that stuff. That's that's. I mean, it's a lie. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she gets picked on as well. She's treated as something of the nerd, which I don't really understand. But you I know, think because she just because she's new. I think be be. 
it started because she was dropped off by her mom and her mom was driving her truck I guess from Wisconsin and it's like a sheep farm thing and these other students saw her mom dropping her off with that a sheep on the side of the car and that's they saw that and they went by yeah they started buying at her and instantly started making fun of her just because of that but I, I mean but she's treated like the uber nerd by the entire school i think because which the, doesn't seem appropriate the only for nice she... per the only person that was nice to her was peter who is the nerd of the school yeah so they were like oh you talk to him for two seconds so you're automatically a nerd i don't even remember them talking until they see each other in the mall there's a lot of things okay honestly <laughs> i think overall like i think the plot is structured well enough and that you know the plot points connect to each other right so like you have the mom needs work and so she has to get an application and she ends up like working at the place where wayne plays his saxophone and that happens because of this thing like you know all of like the dominoes right. that fall into place i think were set yeah, up pretty well when Wayne was in high school, he said he he had all these plans, like he wanted to join the Peace Corps and do all the travel around the world, but I guess after her death, he just became, you know, uber depressed, and now he's a history teacher at the high school that he graduated from. Correct. Yeah. Uh, go back to my point real quick. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I thought, because, yeah. So, like, like, all the dominoes of the yeah, plot yeah. are set up okay, but, like, the establishing why the dominoes are there in the first place is not always mm. explained. You know, like, you know, you're saying that Peter talked to them or, or, or was possibly nice to Cindy. I don't remember that happening. I remember them having a really brief interaction at the pet store in the mall, like about halfway through the movie. And then all of a sudden he's the history tutor. And there, it didn't seem like they had any really establishing information about like why they are... Like, how they know each other? Are they in the same history class? Like, yeah. I, I didn't notice that at all. She, like, the first time that they show her in history class, Wayne, who's the teacher, is handing, like, they had to do some homework. I don't even know. It was like, like a right. pop quiz. Yeah. It was so quick. And but was like, he was like, let me, she's like, I'm new. And he's like, well, let me see how you know shit, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but i remember but like then, the jocks talking about flunkenstein which is like the yeah they but him. then he grades the papers i think the next day he grades the papers and he's like handing them out to everyone he's right. like f f minus you know and he gives his to peter and he's like a minus okay and he's like very well done i didn't notice that it was peter because i don't remember yeah. seeing the students in that shot it was shot like so high up and like all the students were like you know at the very bottom of the frame i thought it was peter i mean now it probably was but i, mean, I like, thought <laughs> i think part of my problem is like they didn't have any conversations in class no, you know, there's I no think... conversations in the hallway prior to them becoming two i think she student. just saw him and then when she saw that he got that a minus in class and then you know she's i mean i just wish there's more establishing okay because i don't even debate about it even well because i don't he didn't get because this is when angela is you know standing next to her you know as the ghost 
and she doesn't see that it's Wayne, so she's like, this guy is a total tool or whatever. Right. And that's when she shows throws, like, a spitball at him. That was, like, another scene, yeah. I thought that, that, that That's was, what led to her needing a tutor. Yeah, yes. that's what led to her, because he was like, you were automatically suspended. So he didn't even give her her paper or her quiz bag to see, like, how well she did. Yeah, I don't remember. He didn't, because he was just, like, going up and down the aisles telling everyone F-, minus, which I thought was funny. But, yeah, there, there needed to be so a little she, bit more, I think. She, I think she knew that Peter got the A minus and that when she ran into him at the mall she was like oh hey I need a tutor can you be my tutor yeah I mean again it's one of these things where I think you're probably right but the movie didn't really they didn't piece it together well enough for me okay you know like there should have been a conversation between them <laughs> there know? really was that, that was their first conversation was basically yeah, that like, that really was i like, think he was hey, nice you need to be my tutor like okay i think in the very person, beginning he was just kind of nice to her like they didn't really talk but, or anything he that's was what just, i'm saying like nice to her was just not being a bully and like yeah quiet like that's not enough for me i i understand <laughs> you but then <laughs> i understand what you're saying <laughs> but I don't know. It's like this typical high school thing where it's like if you're new, then you're automatically like bullied. I guess. In um, the movie, I don't know. In movies, yeah, it, it it's just it's a lot of it's movie logic. Uh, I mean, honestly, I had a lot more trouble with that type of stuff, and not the ghost stuff. I had virtually no problem with the ghost stuff well, at all. Yeah. You know, it's basically what you would expect to see. I think the only thing that maybe is weird is you know she made a big point of how she can't touch people right and but then, she can touch and then objects. she started to be I'm like what to is this people. ghost <laughs> yeah like you know because when she was trying to get mike's attention mike is you know the jock guy that cindy yeah wants. she taps she, on his sh- shoulder yeah like, grabs his like him. drawstrings on his hoodie or whatever or his jacket or whatever well she's like, touching his jacket not him yeah i guess i mean it's still touching pe- i don't know like <laughs> But yeah, that's that's like a small little thing. I, I'm honestly pretty happy with how they did the ghost stuff and that they didn't go um, so far in the direction of something like Ghost. Yeah. Where, you know, Judith recognizes Angela by her actions as a ghost or something like right. that. Or that they tried to speak to each other through like... Someone like a she pencil doesn't... on a paper moving by itself and saying, yeah, oh, she, it's Angela. Like, or Judith something. never even... Judith doesn't even know that like angela is there as a ghost to help cindy like at all no there's a part where there's like a little bit of a fake out and we should probably explain how angela even comes back into the real world it's through angela's car Mm -hmm. so angela's car was wrecked in the crash that killed her um and then when they move into town cindy's grandfather takes her car shopping can't find anything and then they go to the junkyard because their freezer broke and so they had to like junk the freezer and while they were there she saw this 50s car that she really wanted and Mm -hmm. it happened to be angela's car got restored uh by garrett morris Mm -hmm. with a nice (laughs) little cameo performance really fun small part uh by him you know once the car was up and running again angela appears basically in the back seat yeah so that's how she appears and so cindy brings the car home 
and Judith greets her at the door, it, the filmmaking makes it seem like, oh, Judith recognizes Angela and is freaking out. It's like, oh my god, I can't yeah, believe yeah. it. And then, really, she's just and saying, Angela's, I can't believe it. This looks yeah. exactly like my friend's car. Yeah, and then Angela thinks that Judith is speaking to her. Yeah, and they pass through each other. Yeah, they pass yeah. through each other. And that's when Cindy's like, oh, you can't see her. I mean, there were certain parts where Angela did things as a ghost. Like, um, mostly just Cindy talking to herself and people are like, huh, what's wrong with her? Yeah. And then... And that probably more led to her being considered like the weird The weirdo, girl. yeah. But they don't show a whole lot of people noticing that in the school setting. It's more like in the mall or outside of other yeah. places. Yeah. So I could understand her being an outcast if people think, oh, she's weird, she talks to herself. Yeah. But that's not really shown in the school side as much. And, like, the part where she starts hanging out with, like, the popular people and they're, like, eating fries and, like, onion rings, there's mm-hmm. a point where Angela picks up an onion ring and one of the guys sees the onion ring, like, kind of floating near Cindy's face and he's like whoa I'm on too many stimulants or something Mm -hmm. but that was the only uh that was kind of it where some you see someone on the other side not seeing Angela yeah yeah there's not much of it it's mostly we as an audience know that she's a ghost and that's but we see her doing special effects yeah we don't see like the movie ghost type when she's like moving papers you don't see the papers moving on their own you actively see her like yeah throwing things down or like turning blenders on and whatever or like starting a fire (laughs) in in a stove we don't see that so happy just staring at the flames right (laughs) (laughs) like we don't see those happening on its own right so i mean except for that it's a nice Onion workaround. Thing. <laughs> it's a nice workaround. I have to worry about too many special effects shots if you just yeah. establish that yeah, she's a ghost and if the actors act as if she's not there then fine. And you know, for the most part that's that's okay. Uh but yeah, her role is to sabotage when necessary. Um even though theoretically she's supposed to be getting people together, she has to sabotage a lot of other people to make that happen. Yeah. So uh it, it, I think, um, yeah, especially in terms of Duke, who comes back into the picture, mm-hmm. uh, again, played by Eric Estrada here, we got him as the repair, not the repairman, the delivery person for the freezer, the brand new freezer mm-hmm. that comes in. And so that's when he gets reconnected with Judith and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. And then, you know, they wants to go out with her and he's a creepy guy. Yeah. Uh, almost immediately. Really goofy in that first interaction in the house. But then, yeah, once he's alone, he's, he's just a complete womanizer and aggressive and not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, thankfully, you know, Angela's there to kind of, like, help, you know, prevent things from going too far. Yeah. What's weird I is, mean, Angela's yeah. there to help her her friend but also her friend's daughter like she's going kind of back and forth following each woman i guess yeah i think at that point she had an idea that um maybe her mission wasn't cindy oh 
she might have actually been told, right? So there's a couple of interstitial, not interstitials, but, you know, sort of like chapter breaks in a way where she goes back up into purgatory. purgatory yeah. Um, and she's meeting with Mr. Tatum, who is, uh, I don't know if he was a teacher or a principal at the school when she was there. Um, but uh, he she was, like was a going guidance to flunk counselor. him. Or she was going to flunk her. Uh, he was going to flunk her. I thought he was like a guidance counselor, but I don't... I mean, but, that's what that's what she says at one point. It's like, you're supposed to be my guidance counselor. Yeah, yeah. But is that in purgatory? I think so. Okay. Because she, she was specifically told that he was going to flunk her, and that's why she needed the tutor. So I don't yeah, know if... Yeah, it was Wayne at yeah. the time. And... But anyway, he gives her advice and basically, like, but very cryptic advice. She's he, supposed to basically figure these things out on her own, and he told her that Cindy is not your mission. Right. But didn't really give any more details than that. So he was like, she, well, she was like, okay, then I guess Judith is my mission. Yeah, I, really, think that's, I think that was originally her idea. But it was probably Wayne and Judith as her mission. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm of, the, I'm of the impression that Wayne was probably more the actual mission, mm -hmm. and Judith was just the best option for Wayne. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, after... So... The whole thing with Wayne is that, you know, she was going to go to prom with Duke. Wait, Duke. But... But that's her boyfriend. But I think the day of Yeah, basically their like the prom, day of, Wayne asks her to prom and they start to fall for each other. And so um, he was going to meet her there mm -hmm. at prom. And on the way to prom is basically when Angela told Duke... This isn't going to happen between us. I'm actually going to be with somebody else or whatever. It, they yeah, don't, they don't like, show that part of the conversation. They no. show it like mid-argument. Yeah. But it's like about he's him. he's forcing her. That's why I was like, okay, I don't understand the guys driving the girl's car. Because that's her car. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why, why even get in the car with him to begin with if you know you're not going to prom with like, him. I, that's why I didn't... I was like, that's your car. You could have just not picked him up. Right. Or told him to not get in the car because that's your car. Yeah, exactly. He could have just not been going. Yeah. So... I was like... That's unless... <laughs> I mean, unless, like, the whole prom king, prom queen thing was already established and they had to make an appearance. I don't... I don't unless she was like, we can go together. But I'm not. But I'm not going to... Like, we can arrive at the same time, but I'm not going to be with you. I'm meeting up with Wayne. Yeah, something like that. But we don't see that conversation. We just see them mid-fighting. We just see them mid-fighting, and we know that Duke knows about Wayne uh, because he's, you know, yelling about the nerd. Yeah. Uh, and then they, you know, <clears throat> they crash into the tree or whatever, and... and uh, well, it's like a rain, a sto, no, a rain storm, a rainstorm. And yeah, they're fighting, but he's not really paying attention because Duke's not paying attention because he's you know fighting with Angela and he's kind of driving erratically. And then like another car sort of comes by and they try to avoid it, but then they hit. Yeah, they miss the car, but then crash into a tree by missing the car. Yeah. And this is funny, too. So, I mean, she dies mm -hmm. immediately, I guess. 
And then he comes to the prom with a bloody shirt. Yeah. And he, explaining, like, because Wayne's there waiting and everyone's, like, kind of making fun of him. They're like, why are you here? And he's like, actually, I'm going to meet Angela. And then they're making fun of, like, oh, you think you're going to be with Angela? Blah, whatever. And then, and then Duke arrives with a bloody shirt. I'm like, this dude just, like, walked away from the... he, Yeah, he's like, they wanted to take me in for x-rays. I'm but like, he was okay. like, no, I need to go to prom. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and this is so stupid. And so, yeah, like, he announces that Angela's dead to everyone. And, and, like, you know, Wayne is, like, livid. He's like, what did you do to her? Right. Thing. It's all your fault. And, and then so Duke, Duke punches is, him out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the corsage drops. And then Angela picks it up. In the deck, you know, the people list gym. Yeah. Still decorated for prom. And that's when she finds out that she is dead. But the, it's like 28. She's been in purgatory for 28 years. And then she just finally realizes it. Well, I mean, I, who knows how time passes in purgatory? You know? Yeah. I don't I, it's I tough mean. to say. So like, Mr. Tatum comes in there. He's like, well, you died, you know. Ten years, Ten years before, before me. Yeah. So it's weird that you don't even know the rules yet. So, like, something weird happened to her in the meantime, but we don't like, know what or why. Yeah, we don't know. So Mr. Tatum has to be her guide to the afterlife. But he knows. <laughs> yeah. And like, he died he... at a costume party from a heart attack, and evidently you have to wear what you, he's, he's what dressed, you were wearing yeah, yeah. Uh, when you died. Yeah. And... She's just dressed in her prom dress Yeah. So she, that's, that's Yeah, that's her entire outfit. Except for the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. So yeah, Mr. Tatum is there. I'm is, is wondering. And tells her at some point, like, like you need to he... do your mission. And at some point, but she it... snapped back to the purgatory and says, you know, Cindy is not your mission. So, <laughs> okay, so is he in purgatory as well? Like, does he have a mission? Like, I was like, is he in charge of pur- purgatory? Like, what is his deal? Well, I mean... I guess there's a couple ways you can think about it. My personal thought is that she's told that heaven is individualized and that Mm -hmm. hell is individualized, right? So it kind of also makes sense that purgatory is individualized and that Mr. Tatum could be in two places in once. Maybe he's accomplished his goal and he is in his own personal heaven and yet he still appears in Angela's version of purgatory because that's how her mind works. Yeah, but wouldn't his hell be having to like guide her because he obviously doesn't like her <laughs> he That's made what... it sound like his personal heaven was giving her detention forever so who knows uh yeah i don't know i just thought that was interesting i don't know yeah. i was like why is he there to tell her that she has a mission so yeah i, I sort of got off track like, about the whole thing this is like a um, the good place type of thing <laughs> which i have not seen yet but um so yeah, the reason I think that Wayne is the mission is because he is extremely jilted. The next time we see him is when he's a teacher at the high school now. And everyone's talking about him as being Flunkenstein because his last name is Stein. So it's like Wayne Stein, Flunkenstein, right. king of the Fs, complete asshole professor. And so he's just, you know, never got over what happened that night. And he's just become bitter and right. angry and takes it out on the world. And so he's really the one that needs redemption. I don't think Judith does because she has control of her life. She did what she wanted to do. She married Val when it became a bad decision for her to be married to him. 
she left. Yeah. And, you know, so she's doing everything that she wants to do and, you know, she's making the right decisions in her own life. So I think it's really Wayne that needs the, the help here. And Judith just happens to be the best way to do that. So he has a little bit of an, I don't know, he's very off-put by everything. Um, when Judith comes to meet Wayne for the first time after Cindy gets in trouble for throwing the spitball or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that she didn't actually do, that was Angela, uh, that's when they realize, oh my gosh, it's you. Remember me? And Wayne's like, everyone hated me in high school. Like, <laughs> like go away. And your daughter's yeah. like, your daughter needs some serious help. Um, but he doesn't even, he's just mad at her for doing the spitball that she didn't do and then calling him Flunkenstein. He, he, like, he automatically just got mad at her and said, you're suspended. Mm-hmm. Like, she, he doesn't know how she is academically. No. But he, he's like, your well, daughter needs help. One, one test, I guess. Right, yeah. but, I mean, we don't even know how she did. No, we don't. We but nothing. he's like... Judith has to come in for this parent-teacher thing. And he's like, your daughter needs help. She needs a tutor. But he only did this because he was just mad at her. Yeah. So what help? She doesn't need help. She just... I I, I don't know. She doesn't need a tutor. She just needs to be on the good side of Wayne now. Yeah, is this him going on a power trip? Yeah, yeah. Which will probably not happen because he just hates her. Like, automatically just hates her because she did that. Yeah. And he'll probably flunk her even though she's, like, a good student or something. But it, That's it, what it seems like. So like, yeah, he again, just flunks all these students he doesn't like. It's an instance where the domino is set up properly uh, in that it will lead to another thing. You know, you need to have that meeting between Wayne and Judith in order to get to the next part of the plot. Right. But the setup and the lead-ins of why those dominoes were placed are not always there or not always um, sensical. Mm-hmm. So it's just another one of those types of situations here, too. But yeah, eventually, you know, uh, we talked about the fire being set, so they, you know, they, they, Angela sets fire to their food that they the were making. The chicken marengo. Chicken marengo, <laughs> which we had never heard of which before. Which we had to look up, because I've never heard of that. And we found out it's a French dish consisting of chicken sautéed with oil, garlic, and tomato with fried eggs and crayfish. And then I also found out that that was Napoleon's favorite dish after... It's named Marengo after the Battle of Marengo, I think. So they call it Chicken Marengo, and that's his favorite dish. Gotcha. But anyway, Angela ruins that good-sounding food. She was like, oh, the Chicken Marengo. Like, we had to pause and be like, what the hell is is a Chicken Marengo? Well, because I was like, is that a made-up thing? But no, it's not. No. It's just not very common, at least these days. Yeah, I don't... I've never seen it in a in a restaurant, so I don't know if Yeah, it's, we did a search. It looks like a chicken cacciatore to me, but you just add eggs and crayfish. Or shrimp, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And but then, no one's doing it, so get on it. Right. Um, <laughs> like, come on, Italian... <laughs> yeah. Italian restaurants. Come, come on. on. Like, 30,000 Italian restaurants <laughs> right. in the city. Let's do it. How come uh, Olive Garden doesn't do a chicken marengo? Right. All right. Anyway, she ruins the chicken marengo because that will force them to eat out at the club that Wayne is playing at. 
Uh, unfortunately, there's no band that night. Right. But that allows um, Judith to get an application there, and then they meet afterwards again. It's like, oh, hey, I work here now, and oh, you're doing the sax thing. That's cool. And then that allows them to kind of like... Yeah, but he's kind of just very dismissive and like... Oh, oh yeah, whatever. yeah. And... I mean, she has a, you know, he has a hard <laughs> shell to crack. Right. And then Angela kind of delays Judith in a way by like dropping her tip money or something and then while judith is picking up her money that's when she, uh wayne comes on stage and starts playing the sax and then all of a sudden she's like whoa he plays the sax right yeah evidently that's the key to a woman's heart <laughs> right i was like oh all of a sudden she kind of likes him now maybe yeah. so yeah she has to go through the duke stuff and then that gets you know sabotaged appropriately she put you know pops duke's tires at some at certain points and you know gives gives like a hooker well, his number yeah and like, you know like he leads well, over and... the thing where wayne realizes that he likes judith was very confusing to me too that was the closest the movie came to like a ghost type of interaction talking about the 1990 movie where right. You know, Angela's, like, trying to whisper and, like, you know, tell Wayne, like, look, you should, you should like Judith. Like, don't, like, remember? Like, do this thing. And it's, like, sort of, like, repeating some of the stuff that she said like when she when, was alive in high school. Yeah, so, like, telling she's him, She's the only like, person in the world guy. just, like, do this. Then, like, you know, go for it. And blah. Yeah, trying to, like, psych him up. And, and, and he's that's, that's happening of, while he's alone at home. And he's staring, but he's staring in a he's mirror, in a like mirror, all like mad at practicing his sax or something. No, he's. I thought he was just staring and at himself, looking angry. And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I guess he was playing a sax, but he was looking in a mirror while doing it, and I was like, this yeah. is odd. I, and, I, and I don't know if it's <laughs> like just to show that there was no reflection of angela in the mirror maybe Maybe. it was just the way he was looking at himself in the mirror was funny yeah it was like a pitch black reflection inside from his face and um he starts crying and he's like judith it's been judith all along type of thing and i'm like but what yeah yeah it's (laughs) like i said it's it's one of those things where this is where the ghost comes into play and you know her talking to him got through to him on some sort of like a psychic level right and you know penetrated his thoughts of judith yeah <laughs> broke down his wall a little bit so then and so yeah like then the he next wants to go day after her he, and, and then duke and whatever tries he, to apologize yeah he bumps and, into judith but judith is like oh but i have a like he asks her out and she's like oh but i have a date and that's when angela tries to stall duke by doing all that stuff that yeah you said before so there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's two different love stories because we also have the whole Peter and Cindy thing that's going on at the same time. Um, and that's more Peter's unrequited feelings for Cindy because mm-hmm. Cindy has eyes for Mike and Mike alone, even though it's established early on that he's just a total asshole. And, you know, he's the yeah. guy who's like parking in handicapped spots at the school parking lot. And that was her first yeah vision of him and she's like oh my god i love him like he's (laughs) an asshole from the get-go you see him just automatically park this car in the the handicap spot and then he goes up to his girlfriend at the time like kind of squeezes her butt and kisses her and she's like oh my god i'm in love with that guy like but there's no one else for me (laughs) 
Like, if you saw someone doing that, it wouldn't be like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Peter's there. But she has this crush on him, even though, like, he's a total dick immediately even kind of like to her because he's part of that popular crowd and you have all those cheerleaders sort of like just not being nice to her because they're doing that whole bah thing yeah which is you know very tame in the realm of bullying but you know. right they they bully peter more so but yeah eventually like i said the whole thing with the pet store happens they're tutoring mm. her on He's tutoring her on a bridge outside while they eat Chinese food. Remember that? Like, that was, like, the first right. tutoring session. I thought they were in his place. Was that the first one and then the bridge was second? Yeah, the first okay. one. Because when they're eating Chinese, that's when Angela kind of pops in. She's like, Mike's by himself right now. She's like, do you want me to do anything to so you can go meet him? And then she's like, just shake your head yes. Instead of saying yes, because Peter's like right there. Right. And she just kind of nods. And then she spills that Chinese food on him. Right. And I then that that's... was the first tutoring session. <laughs> that was the first one. It okay, wasn't... you just said it wasn't the first one. Well, no, I didn't. That was the first one. Yeah. The first one wasn't on the bridge. Okay. I don't know. I you're thought saying, you... You're saying both now. You said was the first one on the bridge. The first tutoring session. Yeah. I thought the first one was the Chinese food. That was on the bridge. But then how did he get up and go clean up? I don't know. <laughs> but he was on the bridge. <laughs> I thought they were in his home. No. That was on the bridge. Then the how Chinese did he go... The Chinese food thing happened on the bridge. Then how did he go and clean up? I don't know. He dove, he dove into the river or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I thought they were in his house. No, they were outside. Unless... They had like this big conversation of like how, like, oh, I've never, I've never used chopsticks before. Yeah, Because I know like that, Wisconsin doesn't I... have chopsticks. Unless like the bridge is his backyard and he just goes to his inside and cleans up. And All comes... he says is I have this perfect place for us to study. And then they go to a bridge at night. I remember that. Okay, so maybe the second... They have Chinese food, and I didn't even see any... Like, maybe there were books. So maybe the second time, because I remember the second time, they were all... Were they eating Chinese food again? I don't Because I remember the spilling of the Chinese food. That was definitely the bridge. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. 100% bridge. Then... And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, then you are seeing the screenshot of them because an outside setting. Then now I'm confused how he went up and cleaned himself. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. That kind of confused me too. Um, but all I knew is that, you know, that... It, like, also during that conversation, I'm just trying to think. Cause, like, she also talks about how she misses her friends. Uh, yeah, in Wisconsin. Yeah, and how she, like, you know, I wish I could talk to them for, like, we I used to talk to them all the time for advice. Yeah, but, yeah. And, yeah. and she's like... Okay, like, when we were talking to herself, like, she, she doesn't have a phone in her house? Like, she can't, yeah, like, they, just talk to her friends from Wisconsin, like, with a phone? write a letter or call, yeah. You know, like, they're not available they're not, to help at all? No one's all? dead here. You could, it's not, I mean, it's when you move away, it's not like people die. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. But she could, yeah, she, she could have been calling them. But yeah, she she says that she, I don't know, she's, she, she, 
tells Angela that she's going to use the excuse that she has an MSG headache to get out of things. Yeah, which, okay. And then she goes to the video store because that's where Mike is alone. Right. And that's where we see the, the, the ad for Watchers too. They bond Over with the... uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Whatnot. So. And then all of a sudden she's like cool because she's hanging out with Mike. Yeah. She's cool because she's dressing slightly differently even though I don't think there's anything wrong with the way she was dressing before. Um, she just like did her hair and put on makeup. I didn't notice much of a difference at all. So whatever it, it all happens she's with mike now um and then she learns that mike is a total asshole as well at a certain point uh, when there's like this whole confrontation because angela steals a bird from the pet store that peter works in a bird though. yeah that peter like, the peter kind of says i love you and you know says yeah peter kind of te- is teaching this bird to speak by saying i love you and peter and then he's trying to teach it say cindy so he angela steals that bird brings it to the front door to make it seem like peter did it yeah cindy brings it back to the pet store and she's like why did you do this and And, he's like why did you steal my bird yes and then mike thought that peter was you know hitting on his girl by giving her too much of a you know aggressive manner or something punches him out Yes. And gives ultimatums and says, you have to meet me by the tuck store in five minutes or else. And that's when Cindy is like, I'm done with Mike. Mike is no more to me. And so, yeah, it's sort of like a, basically being the same story in a different way all over again for both of them. Right. You know? Right. It's, yeah, parallel. Because that's, I think that's also the day of her prom because he's like, I need to go to the he's like, meet me at the tuck store in ten minutes. Yeah. No, make it five. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it is because, again, same type of situation where they're going to go to the prom and Mike he, is driving her he's car driving in her, the rain. And, and I was like, why are the driving? guys driving the girl's car? Like, what the hell is happening in life? Yeah. I don't know. But the same type of situation happens. They are going to get in an accident until Angela, who is a ghost, takes the wheel at the very last second to avoid that exact same tree. Right. Thus saving them both. Mike is uh, told to get out of the car and leave her alone forever. <laughs> and, this, and this was, like, funny to me. Because they, they almost die. You know, Angela kind of saves them. And Mike is like, whoa... Wasn't that cool? Because they did like a 180, I don't know, whatever. He's like, I just saved your life. Yeah, and then yeah. he thought he did it. And she's like, no. she Realizing that Angela did it. and then, But they're still kind of fighting. And she's just like, get out of my car. And he's like, it's raining. And she's like, go get wet. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of made me laugh. Yeah. And then he just, he's like, okay, I respect you. And then leaves and gets wet. I just, he's like, uh, okay. (laughs) And so, yeah, he goes to the prom. Uh, Peter is there with Cindy now. Um, They kiss. Wayne is there playing sax in front of the students and gets, like, some cred with them. Yeah. Um, And we get to see see up into the stars. Up in the stars, Angela's dancing with James Dean. Dean And, (laughs) like, Cindy sees that, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Because Angela's no longer in the car as soon as the crash is avoided. Yeah, the second that she 
did her mission or whatever. She's gone. <laughs> yeah, she automatically went to heaven. Now she's dancing with James Dean. Yeah. For a TV movie, I didn't think it was that bad at all. Um, yeah, I mean... It, it, I think some of the acting was pretty bad. Oh, uh, yeah. Aside from, I'd say Cindy Williams was solid throughout. Um, Roddy McDowell is like the typical disciplinarian that, you know, has right. been in, you know, multiple times. But Mark Hamill was okay in the second half. I didn't like his nerdy first part. I think everyone in their high school years was over the top, except for Cindy Williams. Yeah. Because she wasn't given but, anything to be over like, top about. He, yeah. Eric Estrada was like oh. trying too hard to be the tough jock guy, and it was not good. No, it really wasn't. And, and yeah, it kind of he kind of went away from that in in the present day scenario, and he became yeah, sort a of little like bit. A, but he was trying like trying to be like a lovable loser, and then he was just a loser. Yeah, he was just a womanizer. And I think loser. that's supposed to be funny, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I also think I like the acting of Rainbow Harvest as Cindy. Uh, yeah, she was fine. She was really giving off like a Winona Ryder right. vibe. And that's what I was... Like, uh Beetlejuice and talking to ghosts and I stuff. I even kind of... I wondered about that. I was just like, did they want Winona Ryder and they just got a lookalike? Because she looks... I mean, she, she looks, looks like a, Winona a lot Ryder. like... She sounds kind of like Winona Ryder. Right. And, and she's now talking to a dead person like Beetlejuice. Right, and, and I think they wanted, they either wanted Winona or a Winona type for it, this It role. could be. We'll see Rainbow Harvest one more time in the 1991 movie Fever. She's also in a 1991 movie called Pink Lightning, which is not on our list because we can't find a way to watch it. Um, this was her last year of acting. Those were the last three projects mm. that she ever did. She was on the TV series called FM, which I'm not very familiar with. Uh, she was in Mirror, Mirror, Streets of Gold, and Old Enough. So she had a very short career. But yeah, I, I'd say, uh, aside from that, the other thing that we haven't really talked about too much is just the soundtrack. Because, you know, as the title of the movie implies, you are going to hear that song like, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of 50... Even the... It was a lot of 50s, 60s songs... And even the theme for the prom for Cindy in... This is supposed to be, what, 1990, I guess? Yeah. It was a 50s theme, and they were playing all 50s, 60s yeah. music. Yeah, I don't know like how common it is to have themes at proms in real life, but in, you know... Mine was time after time, so it was like 80s. Okay, I don't remember We didn't dress up like we were in the 80s, though. Okay. You, I guess you could have, but... I just don't remember. I just know that, like, in TV shows and whatnot, they always talk about the themes like the for theme? the prom. Well, we, yeah, I, we had knows. a theme. Um, but I think this is really, you know, meant to sort of evoke a little bit of a Back to the Future Oh, uh, okay. Because, I mean, that's the first time I heard that song. Yeah. Uh, was from Back to the Future Earth Angel. And that was probably, like, my favorite song on the soundtrack, you know. Even with, you know, Huey Lewis and the news, Power, and the Lo Power of Love in there, I think I probably played earth angel more than that um there wasn't a lot of contemporary music in the 1990s section at all no it was mostly 50s and 60s and i think you know honestly this movie was trying to cater to a slightly older audience because of the cast you know you have yeah that i was also wondering like who was watching this movie was it just people who were like 
fans of like Star Wars and Laverne and Shirley and Chips or something. And they were like, oh, these three actors are in it. Yeah, I like I'll these watch people. It. I will watch this. That, I think, is exactly the intention here. It's like it's trying to play off nostalgia very heavily because it's a, you know, a movie about 1962. So just a couple decades prior, you know, with this song from 1954 that was recently in some pop culture just like five or six years back. And then you have all these stars from the 70s that, you know, these parents would be well aware of. And, you know, while their kids are off playing or doing whatever, they can sit at home and watch Earth Angel and revisit, you know, people from their past, you know? I, I think that's really what was meant to be part of the casting decision on this. Um, so, yeah, like we said, like Mark Hamill, for instance, he wasn't really doing much of anything aside from the Star Wars films. Obviously, those yeah. are enough for people <laughs> these yeah. days. But he didn't really have much of a career until he started doing voice acting a little bit later on, which was weird. Like, he was kind of a has-been for a little bit. You know, you got, like, Return of the Jedi, and then not a whole lot of anything important until he started doing the voice acting stuff around, like, 93 when he was became the Joker for the first time mm-hmm. in the Batman animated series, and he's been doing that forever since, um, and winning BAFTAs for the Arkham games, you know, um, playing the Joker. He, you know, he's also in a couple other 1991 movies. He's in The Giver. He's in Black Magic Woman. And in 1991, he was also in an episode of the Flash TV series that was out back then. And that was the only other time I had seen him, other than Star Wars, was when he played the trickster in a couple episodes of The Flash. Because my brother watched that. But yeah, he's, he's really well known for his voice acting. And then you have Cindy Williams, uh, who is best known probably for Laverne and Shirley. She has a Golden Globe nominee for that. For that. <laughs> for that? Uh, for that. Uh, she has a BAFTA nomination for her work on American Graffiti. So again, another nostalgia piece, a movie from the 70s about the 50s. Yeah. Um, she was in The Conversation. In 1991, she'll also be in the movie Bingo, so we'll see her again as well. Um, but after Laverne and Shirley, she hadn't done a whole lot either. She had done some TV around this, so she was in a TV series called Normal Life back in 1990, so basically the year before this. Um, that starred Dweezil and Moon Unit Zappa. It was supposed to be sort of like a TV adaptation of Frank Zappa's home life. Oh, okay. Which I didn't know existed, but evidently, yeah. Those two like real-life sort of children of Frank Zappa were in that show with Cindy Williams. Um, and then in 1993-94, she was also in a TV show called Getting By. And she also auditioned for Princess Leia in Star Wars. So, semi-almost connection between her and Mark Hamill there. Um, we got Eric Estrada, who's known for Chips. Golden Globe nominee for that. He'll be in... The 1991 movies Do or Die or Gang Justice. Uh, he's done a lot of, like, movies as himself. You know, like, he's he sort of, like, transitioned yeah. his career where he's just, like, sort of making fun of like himself all the time. Yeah, he's like the Vanilla Ice of the 70s. I have no idea. Yeah, he's kind of, like, tried to make himself into a joke and, and you know, boost his career off of that, which, you know, whatever. If it works, it works. Uh, he was also in a Spanish soap opera called... Or I, I don't know if it's a soap opera. Spanish series called Two Women... One Road, uh, which lasted 301 episodes, and she was, he was also on C-Lab 2021, um, which is now in the past, if you can believe that. Hmm. C-Lab 2021 is now 
a historical event. And who else do we have that was uh, important in, in terms of history? We have Alan Young, who played the grandfather, Norman. He's probably best known to people of the generation that will be watching this for Mr. Ed. He was Wilbur on Mr. Ed. Um, and there's even like a scene where he's watching Mr. Ed on TV. Mm -hmm. He also had his own radio show by the age of 17, and he, that transitioned to a TV show called The Alan Young Show. Uh, he was an Emmy winner in 1951 for Best Actor and also Most Outstanding Personality. I'm assuming for The Alan Young Show, it doesn't actually say. Uh, he's Grammy nominated as well for the Disney's Christmas Carol uh, album, I guess it would be, because he is also known as being the voice of Scrooge McDuck. Who else do we have here? We have Roddy McDowell as another nostalgia pick. Uh, again, he plays disciplinarian here and there. Um, he's well known for the Planet of the Apes series of movies. Uh, he's been in uh, Fright Night, for which he won a Saturn Award. Uh, he was Emmy nominated for Arrest and Trial. He was an Emmy winner for Sunday Showcase back in 1961. Golden Globe nominee for the movie Cleopatra. He's also a Stinker nominee for the second Jungle Book, which I didn't know was a thing. Uh, but he's been acting since the 40s. He was in How Green Was My Valley. Uh, and he also shared a voice acting role with, well, not that. Uh, he was also in the Batman animated series as the Mad Hatter. So him and Mark Hamill were both on that series as different villains. Uh, Garrett Morris is also a nostalgia pick because he was on Saturday Night Live. He was Emmy nominated for that as part of the original cast. Garrett Morris was a nominee for the Spirit Awards for the movie Jackpot. He's going to be in the 1991 movies Children of the Night and Motorama. He was on The Hunter TV show, Cooley High, Car Wash, Martin, Jamie Foxx show, Two Broke Girls probably most recently. Um, something I didn't know about him, he was, did you know in 1994 he was shot in the chest and the arm by robbers? No. I had no clue about that. I thought I would have heard about that back in the day. We'll probably try to look into that more in a future movie of his. Um, and then also a weird little bit of trivia I wanted to mention is, um, do you remember, I don't know how much you watched the old SNL original cast but there was a sketch where they were all superheroes like John Belushi was the Hulk and other people were different superheroes okay well Garrett Morris played Ant-Man in that oh. like one of like the lesser known heroes at the time and then in the Ant-Man movie he did have a cameo as a cab driver uh, a couple other small people that we haven't talked about yet uh, Joe Napolitano as the director which probably mentioned the director and the writer here uh, this was his feature debut and really one of the few that he has done. Uh, we've also seen his work before on this podcast as he was the first assistant director on The Fisher King. But he's mostly done TV work in terms of directing. Did several episodes of Quantum Leap, Northern Exposure, X-Files, JAG, Boston Public. Um, and he's worked with Brian De Palma a few different times as the second unit director on a few of his movies as well. Uh, I thought the directing was good in this one. Like, honestly, yeah. if you had a more well-known cast and maybe like a slightly slightly tweaked script i don't see why this shouldn't be a feature film i don't know i you know you have yeah, this impression I mean, of tv movies there's a lot a of thing. stories that are like this but yeah this could have been a feature film i think if you didn't do these 40 year olds as 18 year olds yeah and i mean maybe part of the problem was that you were limited by this time frame and you had to hit certain commercial breaks at certain times right. you had to meet a certain time limit mm -hmm. in order to make the, the story work 
And if you didn't have those limitations and could turn it into a feature film, it might have been even better. But I mean, in terms of, yeah, the direction, there's like nice movement, there's tracking, there's different camera angles. It was a lot more dynamic than something like the Pam Smart movie that we saw a couple weeks back. Even a lot more dynamic and interesting than Millions uh, in terms of the way it was shot. So, you know, I think you'll see that more in his TV work. Nina Schengel did the writing, did the teleplay, screenplay, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she also did an episode of the 1991 show Veronica Clare. I don't remember if we've talked about that show before. I no, I have not. So we'll come across seen that at some that point in the TV guide yet. So um, apparently, it's about a jazz club owner and gumshoe Veronica Clare who solves a variety of cases. So it's like so, a, like a V.I. Wartrowski. Something like that. Yeah, probably more period piece that only lasted ten episodes, or she only wrote ten episodes of that. I don't know which one is true. Anyway. She's also done a bunch of other TV movies. She did Blind Spot, which had Laura Linney in it. She did Unwed Father, which had Brian Austin Green. Uh, Double Platinum with Brandy and Diana Ross. And she has a Writers Guild Association win for Labor of Love, which is another TV movie. What else have we not talked about? Kathy Podwell. Kathy Podwell is Angela. She was in the 1991... Uh, she was a 1991 soap opera Digest nominee for the lead primetime actress for her work in Dallas. She was uh, JR's trophy wife, Callie Harper Ewing, on Dallas for a couple years. She's also been in movies such as Night of the Demons and Beverly Hills Brats. And she had not done any acting from 1995 until one episode of the 2013 version of Dallas, where she played the same character, Callie Ewing. Peter was played by Dustin Wynn. Uh, he's best known for 21 Jump Street as Officer Harry Truman Loki. Or Aoki, I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed them. Uh, Harry Truman Aoki for 82 episodes. Uh, he also does a cameo appearance in 22 Jump Street, the movie, as Vietnamese Jesus. <laughs> um, he's also been in Three Ninjas Kick Back, Rapid Fire, which is a Brandon Lee movie, uh, the TV series VIP, which was, you know, Pamela Anderson's thing, and uh, more recently a Cinemax series called Warrior. Uh, Mike was played by Brian Krauss or Krause? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's said I'm the not same sure way as same. Peter. Yeah, Krause. I'm not sure if it's the same as Peter Krause or if it's Krause. But anyway, Mike, uh, he we will see him two more times. He was in the De uh, 1991 movie December, and also he has a Razzie nominee uh, for Return to the Blue Lagoon. Which, um, <laughs> he's also starred in four bandit tv movies which is based on the Smokey and the bandit franchise just turned into a tv movie series and he was also in charmed for 145 episodes as leo wyatt and mm. he's also credited as being in something called teen vid 2 oh in yeah. which is like sort of like a uh, vhs magazine teeny bopper magazine and we found one episode on youtube but have not watched the whole thing so i remember him in sleepwalkers i don't know if you Seen I the don't Stephen know Sleepwalkers. Oh, okay. no. um, two other quick notes of people that you would not expect to be in this movie that were in this movie. We have J. Anthony Frank uh, played a wrestler in one very short moment. Um, he is best known as being Jake Summers in California Dreams. Um, and then also Andy Dick appears in this movie for just a very brief moment. Did you catch him? He's in the I... 1962 segment. No, but I saw him in the credits and I couldn't find him, but... Uh, they're walking in the hall, and he runs up and tells Duke what a great job he did on something or other. Oh, okay. 
So he's credited as Brown Noser. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has like one line. Uh, he is an MTV nominee for Best Cameo in the movie Road Trip. He's been in Reality Bites, In the Army Now, the Get Smart TV series, The Ben Stiller Show, News Radio is probably his biggest you know, success. He has The Andy Dick Show, Clone High, and then also uh, 81 episodes of Less Than Perfect. So one of his very early per- uh, appearances for Andy Dick. So again, a large cast, a good, you know, good swatch of names most of them are probably you know really trying to hammer in on that nostalgia factor so uh no awards to speak of on this one so we can just move on to true crime pop culture okay there is no true crime even okay so this i think this might be our first monday release it's possible yeah i know we've had sunday releases and I've talked about what was on TV Monday, but I don't think I've we've spoken about a Monday release until now. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, I it's don't been know. like a year. Nothing happened on March fourth, nineteen ninety one besides a bunch of T V movies were on. <laughs> Nothing happened in the news or anything like that. So on T V we also have the T V guide. And it shows an ad for Earth Angel. Yeah, we have a full ad. Oh, you can get the tagline in there. Yeah, the tagline, which kind of confuses me. I don't know. If you were enchanted by pretty woman, if you were charmed by ghosts, you'll fall in love with Earth Angel. I I don't get the pretty woman aspect. I have not seen pretty woman. Pretty woman yet? Oh. Yeah. um, So I don't know. I don't... I think it's just because it's a romance. But... Okay, you're gonna have to see Pretty Woman because I don't, I don't get the, the the comparison. I don't know. What else? The other TV listings for March fourth, nineteen ninety one. So this was an ABC movie, and Earth Angel had eleven point two million viewers that night. Which sounds middle of the road to me. Right. At that time. Yeah. Before that was MacGyver, and on yeah, you had a good hour of MacGyver into a 9 p.m. 8 Central Earth Angel movie, and on CBS was Evening Shade, which I believe we've spoken about Evening Shade before. That's the Burt Reynolds, Mm -hmm. and after that was Major Dad, then Murphy Brown designing women and then a show that was on at 10 p.m called w-i-o-u which also is in the tv guide there's two ads and i read them both and they're like so ominous (laughs) but w-i-o-u is an american drama tv series that was on cbs from october 24th 1990 until march 20th 1991 so this is like Three, yeah, yeah, three weeks, and or two more weeks, and it was gone. The show is set in the news department of a fictional TV station whose actual call sign is WNDY, like Windy. It doesn't okay. say. I'm assuming what what is this? Maybe it could be Chicago. It doesn't say like where it's set. And, but they nickname it WIOU by the staff because of the station's financial struggles. Dumb. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> and like the ads are so ominous. It's like I, we they can make it scam. Sound like it's a like a like they're a, solving crimes, but while they're reporting news. I think they're trying to report the news and then stay afloat somehow. <laughs> and these ads don't really help it that much like one of them just says one reporter who won't live to tell them so it's it stars john shay he's the news director of wndy and john shay plays someone by the name of hank zaret john shay is um do you know who he is no he's mostly he's mostly known as lex luther in the lois and clark 90s Oh, Dean I Kane didn't watch that. show. Yeah, I didn't watch that. He was also... He's in Gossip Girl, which I know you also didn't. Mm-hmm. He played Blair's father. And he was also in The Good Wife. So which I also have not seen. He's that. been on a bunch so he's, of... he's had a good career. He's had... I mean, he's still, like... He's a TV actor. Like, a, a TV character actor. Like, if you see his face, you will know who he is, maybe. Awesome. It sounded like it was more of an intense premise based off of the one ad I saw. Right. It seems very ominous. That but description. Uh, it sounds kind of boring to me. Yeah. <laughs> that did not get so good ratings, I'm assuming. You have, what, the 11 point uh, something? I mean, it has 8.5 million. All right. And then, okay, so that was CBS. So on Fox, there was a movie special, and they were showing Earth Girls Are Easy. So this was in competition with Earth Angel, and 5.5 million people were watching Earth Girls Are Easy. Hmm. On NBC was an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, then Blossom, and then there was an NBC movie playing the same time as Earth Angel and we're going to be watching this movie at some point and it's Hell Hath No Fury. That had more viewers. That was 15.2 million. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, it had better lead-ins probably. I mean, MacGyver is one thing, but I mean, Fresh Prince and Blossom, that's tough to do. I mean, the the kids are watching that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would I don't know if Hell Hath Hath No Fury Fury is, uh, right. So people are probably like, oh, I'll just leave the TV to, yeah. on. Yeah, switch over to Designing Women and Murphy Brown at that point. Mm-hmm. And to music. I'm going to do the top five this time because I think some of them are kind of new. And then I also have a surprise. Oh. <laughs> is this a surprise about Earth Angel, the actual song? No. So it, this is for the week of March 9th, 1991. The number one song of that week on the Billboard 100 was Someday by Mariah Carey. Number two is One More Try by Timmy T. Number three is All the Man That I Need by Whitney Houston. And number four is Where Does My Heart Beat Now by Celine Dion. And then number five is Show Me the Way by Styx. I think that one's a newish song. Yeah, I don't remember the Celine Dion one showing up on the podcast either. Yes, we got that. And Star Spangled Banner Watch. Uh oh. This is the debut. Ooh, okay. This is so the first week on the charts at number 32 
is the Star Spangled Banner by Whitney Houston. That's so, a, so we know that's the a beginning. Start. <laughs> so we know the beginning. We know the beginning now. So now we know. Yeah, anything after March until whenever we saw the '99 is probably the last appearance. Yeah, and then the, I'm gonna do the. I usually I think I I haven't done this in a while. Like the top songs in the UK. Yeah. But the, I'm gonna do the top five songs in the UK because it made me laugh. Okay. Uh, two of them I've never even heard of. Um, so number one in the UK was The Clash, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Number two is... I should have looked this up and I didn't, but we'll put... We'll have the video, we'll have the video once <laughs> this is out. Is um, Hail and Pace and the Stalkers, the song called The Stonk. <laughs> <laughs> And number three was The Simpsons Do the Bartman. <laughs> That's weird. I didn't live in the UK back then. <laughs> I just, I, I, like, everyone in the UK is listening to that. Number four. I mean, I had that tape. Right. I was like, is it, like, children and adults alike jamming out to Do the yeah. Bartman? Number four is Madonna's Crazy for You. And then number five is Nomad featuring MC Mikey Freedom called a song, I Want to Give You Devotion, which I should have looked this song up because I don't know it. But if we find the video, we'll have it. I just thought Do the Bartman was interesting. (laughs) Stonk it up. And the stonk, which I have never heard of. Well, let's go on to rankings and ratings then. Uh, on your one to five star scale, where would you put Earth Angel? Um, I think I'm just going to give this a two. A two? I think I gave Murder in New Hampshire a three, and I really like that TV movie. I didn't hate this. The only thing that really... It just kind of made me laugh with the, you know, obvious 40-year-olds playing 18-year-olds and then kind of the whole over-the-top acting of, like, especially Eric Estrada, I don't know. Yeah. And, like, other people. I think the acting did it no I liked the movie overall. I didn't hate it. Me too. I I actually kind of liked it quite a bit. Again, I think the acting is really what... It's a cute movie. I don't know. Threw it down. Yeah, it was it was cute. It was it was better produced than I expected. I thought, like I said, everything seemed to fall into place the way it was supposed to, and, and it progressed well. Um, I think you have the potential for some depth by basically showing how people stay the same no matter what year it is. You know, basically you have the exact same story repeating from 1962 to 1990. You have some of that stuff going on in here too, but it doesn't. There's just some stuff that's missing, and it's probably limited because it was a TV movie. Yeah. Um, on my zero to four star scale, I'm actually going to give it a three, which is probably a little bit generous. If you ask me on a different day, it might bump it down a half star, but right now I'm going to say it's a three out of four. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch it again? Um, no. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's going to be no way it's ever going to be on again, and... I mean, I saw it and I like it, but I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm probably the same. Um, there's other time travel slash ghost. Yeah, there's type so many stories that... like this. Like, I'll just see the better ones, but I don't hate this movie. Yeah, it's I'm hard f- to compete it's, against. I'm 
glad I watched it, I guess. I would not I'm choose gl- it over Pretty Woman, which I have not seen. All <laughs> right, which I or Ghost. I will watch more. Ghost multiple times over than this. So. Uh, that's where we stand. If you out there want to watch Earth Angel, as of this recording in January 2022, it's available on Tubi, Pluto TV, IMDb TV, Roku Channel, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. It is everywhere. Check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It really does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more along with TV guide scans. Uh, Next week, we're going to keep the romantic theme. Maybe? I don't know. I haven't seen this movie. (laughs) We're going to watch Career Opportunities. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, We're going to watch Career Opportunities next week. That's available on digital rental, VHS, and DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.